8 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Got your reactions to uh, Greg Penner, George Payton yesterday, talking about the Broncos coaching search. We also haven't mentioned J.J. Uh, Watt. J.J. Watt calling it quits after the season. He gone. Luka Doncic with a, what, 60-point triple-double last night? Yeah, I saw the the stat uh, about the Mavericks, and I'll have to look it up again, but it was ridiculous in nature about their comeback win. Give me 10 seconds, I'll have it. All right, so just a reminder, we're on a holiday schedule for the rest of the week, which means uh, we'll be off at 9 o'clock this morning. We'll have the Military Bowl today. UCF taking on uh, Duke at noon today, and then mm-hmm. the Nuggets Sacramento tonight. Nuggets getting the win against the Kings last night with uh, 30 from Michael Porter Jr. We'll have that uh, tonight at 7.30. NBA teams were 0 for 13,884 when trailing by 9 points or more with 35 seconds left. Now it's 1 for 13,884. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's historic stuff right yeah, there. like one for 18 or whatever, Yeah, that's nothing. But when we're, yeah. we're talking about that kind of number, that shows how tough that was for the, the Mavericks to come back last night. All right, so text or call us, 970-242-1340. We'll have uh, My Life Sports Radio's Cody York coming up, talk about the Broncos coaching search and also his thoughts about Broncos and Chiefs on Sunday. And the radio voice of the Avs, Connor McGahee as well. Avs losing at Arizona last night. It's time to talk CSU Rams basketball and football with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth. Talking CSU with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth on the Jim Davis Show. Rams open up Mountain West Conference basketball play tonight and at New Mexico. And joining us from Albuquerque, it's Brian Roth. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Brian. Oh, I had the mute button on. What's going on? How are we, sir? <laughs> Doing fine, Brian. For a moment, I'm thinking, am I, did I hit the wrong button here? Have I screwed something up? So I'm glad, I'm glad to yeah, know. No, it was me. It was on your end, not, not on my end, Brian. Hey, I uh, hope you guys had a Merry Christmas. We did. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. It was just uh, a few days just to kind of hang out and not have to worry about anything, just completely unplug and, and just do the family thing. So it was, uh, it was fabulous. And, now back out on the road. What was the best Christmas present you received, other than just being at home with the family? <laughs> or was that well, was that or was that a I, present? Was would being away on the road be a present sometimes? <laughs> so you know, it's funny these days. Um, I'm pretty much by myself, my own big present, right? <laughs> like and my, and my wife kind of picks out her own like big present. And I we see. Quote unquote, buy it for each other, right? Uh, so uh, a snowblower, if you can believe that. Well, well, these at this point in time, front range right now. Yeah. At least you don't live in Buffalo. Uh, snowblower, yeah. probably a pretty nice thing yeah. to have at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, we we have a three car garage, and it's uh, it's, a, it's a big driveway. And for the last four years, I've been shoveling it, and it's just it's gotten to the point where it's just like, uh, uh-uh, no more, can't do it anymore. Just be careful with it, because didn't Joe Sackick have the snowblower incident years ago? Yeah. So be careful. I, I okay. think so, right. Yeah, like it got stuck, and you just like, yeah. don't, don't stick your hand in there, right? Don't do that. No, no. 
I think it's pretty com- much common sense, is it? Isn't it? I mean, I, I don't stick my hand underneath the lawnmower either. Sure, you don't but, have to tell me to do that. But we're men, and sometimes we do stupid things, Brian. We just do. It's just <laughs> it's just in our DNA. Well, that nothing's going to happen if I do that. Sure, that's right. Yeah, like like <laughs> I'm the a t- dumbass. <laughs> like the time my 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 two older brothers, my oldest brother dared my middle brother. Hey, go ahead and stick that knife in that electric socket. Nothing's going to happen. And sure enough, my my brother apparently did that, and fortunately, he lived to to, well, to tell the, the story about it. So anyway, moving on. Uh, let's before we talk about the the Rams opening up Mountain West Conference play against uh, uh, the Lobos tonight. Just kind of your your takeaway, your thoughts about Jay Norvell's class, which a lot of people, a lot of the you know, rivals, twenty four seven, some of those sites have ranked it as maybe the, the best recruiting class in all of the group of five, certainly the, the best recruiting class in the Mountain West. It's been, it was quite a haul for Jay Norvell in his first real actual full year of recruiting or opportunity to really come in, uh, you know, not having to hit the ground running in terms of recruiting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear now that, uh, you know, Jay Norvell has this thing on the, on the right, dire- right trajectory. And we knew it was going to be a big class, Jim. 34, and... Um, you know they, they they still I think have six, um, I think they have six left. That could be wrong. It could be five. They have five or six left. And so, you know, you you saw that second uh, you know recruiting window, the second signing day on February first coming up. But you know, you keep those in your back pocket just because, you know, you 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 get to even even April when when the when the, when the next transfer portal opens up, uh, you want to have the ability to go out and and, and bring in some transfers, guys that. Uh, maybe didn't win a starting job that they thought they were going to win in spring football and then decide to transfer late, and, and you can go pick up a couple more transfers that way. But but the 34 guys that they signed is uh, is a massive number. I mean, uh, you know, look, two years ago, I think it was two years ago, a year and a half ago, the NCAA, um, with all the guys that were transferring, decided to say, hey, look, you, you're not limited to just 25 um, signees in each recruiting class. You're now, and thank goodness for CSU because they needed this with so many guys leaving the program here this past season. But now you can sign as many as you as you need to to get you back to that 85 scholarship threshold. And so it gives you an idea of just how many how many scholarship guys the Rams were playing with here this past year. And I know we talked it many times uh, on your show here this past few months about you know the fact that the Rams are playing with 59 60 61 scholarship players right now and they're they're really uh, more of an FCS team rather than an FBS team so they signed 34 and you know they they beat out several Pac-12 schools for a bunch of their top guys and and, you know listen we we talked about this last week Jane Orvell understands what he's looking for He's, he's been around the block I mean he's he has uh, done this a lot, and he's done as a head coach now uh, for, for, for seven years. And he has his recruiting blueprints. He knows exactly what he wants, and he was able to execute that at Nevada, and now even to a higher degree because of the facilities here at CSU, he was able to execute that here. And so, yeah, you, you look at all the rankings, and you know, CSU is right there at, at, at the top of the Mountain West. So that's good. That's step number one. <laughs> Another question is, uh, you know, rankings are one thing, but uh, um, how it comes to fruition and how it plays out in the field is, is the next thing. So um, I'm excited to see what it what, what it brings. And I think they have what ten guys coming in here in the here in January and rolling early. So that's also good, including a like three offensive linemen that are coming in early. So that's good. All of it 
points to a bright future for CSU, but it's just another step uh, in that direction. CSU Rams play-by-play voice Brian Roth with us today on the Team Sports Network. I, I'm reluctant to ask this, but I will. Have you even tried to pronounce the, the kid from no. West Hills, California? I, I know that, who you're asking. No, I know who you're Ator, asking. No. and I'm not even going <laughs> to. They're going to have to start on one sleeve you know, and go to the other sleeve. He has one of the longest last names I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Tim, I saw that, and in fact, uh, some folks hit me up on Twitter about that. Um, <laughs> they said, "Hey, good luck with this one." I was like, "Yeah, don't, I'll uh, I'll cross that bridge when I have to cross that bridge." For now, I'm just going to stay on the side and, and watch the river flow. <laughs> I, I don't uh, blame I'm not you crossing that bridge <laughs> yet. And look, we thought that you know Albert Okuwegbunam with the Broncos was was challenging. Right? Holy, that is well, child's play compared to this name. No, exactly. But in, in, you know, you know what happens when you get names like that, right? I mean, you, you shorten it. Everybody shortens it, and all of a sudden, it becomes Albert O, right? And, right. And that just becomes the thing that rolls off your tongue. And so, that's probably what uh, what will happen here at this point. next year or the year after, whenever this kid sees the field, and if he becomes a contributor it's going to be you know it's going to be just you shorten it up it's going to be a new nickname whether the team gets it to, gives it to him or me uh, taking creative liberties at the broadcast to give him a nickname but uh, that's the way that thing is going to uh, going to go yeah a tour and then it's u r i o n a b a a r e n c e c h e a i'm like I said i'm not even i'm just going to Spell it out for you there. I'm not even going to try to say it. I wish you the best of luck with that, my friend, moving forward. Yeah, but those those are the type of ones that you'd rather have on your team because, A, you're going to say it over and over and over, and right? Used to if, it. If, if yeah. you do yeah. end up pronouncing the whole thing, and then it's going to just click in your head to where you're just going to be able to, it's going to roll off your tongue. Now, the, the opposing announcers and the TV announcers that, that come in, you know, again, if he turns out to be a player, that, then they're all going to be learning it basically for the first time and being like, uh, and it's just not going to roll off the tongue. So it's actually better to have that type of name on your team rather than on a, on a team that you're going to see in the middle of October. And thank God he's a tackle. Thank God he's an offensive lineman. He's not a wide receiver. He's not the, he's not the running back. He's not a quarterback. Yeah, he's, he's an yeah, offensive right. tackle. You're saying it every play. Yeah, not, not, to, not to knock those that, you know, the, the toil on the offensive line, but you're probably, in our industry, probably not going to say his name that often, at least you hope you don't have to say his yeah. name that often moving forward. Right. All right. Brian right. Roth with us today from Albuquerque Rams uh, take on New Mexico tonight. Number 22 team of the nation right now, New Mexico. And Richard Patino, most people probably know his dad, Rick, uh, very well. Uh, has the, the Lobos playing some pretty good basketball right now? Well, to say the least. And, uh, you know, they have been one of the big surprises in the Mountain West Conference, Jim. I mean, I. I I had them, I think, at the start of the year. I had, I, I thought they were going to be much improved, and you know they were they were a 500 team in the in the conference last year, and um, had a couple of nice transfers that they brought in. I, I thought they were going to be improved. I, I had them fifth, but I don't think anybody, maybe outside of Albuquerque, saw that uh, New Mexico going 12 and 0 in non conference play, and and not only that. Uh, Entering tonight's uh, you know Mountain West Conference opener against Colorado State as a nationally ranked team, which they are, they're ranked twenty second in the nation. All their metrics are really really good, and so you know what Richard Pitino has been able to do here in just his second season. Uh, and again, he's no spring chicken. Obviously, he spent a, a, a long while at the University of Minnesota be, before he was he was let go, and then 
you know, obviously takes the job. I mean, he didn't even have a year in between. It was fired at Minnesota, took the New Mexico job like a week later. And here in his second season, he's had uh, had the Lobos really, really playing good basketball. And they, they have a lot of talent. I mean, Jamal Mashburn Jr., Jalen House, both those guys, their dads played in the NBA. They've been around the Mountain West Conference for the past two years. And then, of course, you get a couple of uh, transfers that they brought in. Uh, you know, I mean, all of a sudden it, it, it's gelled. And I, I, at this point, and you look at this Mountain West Conference, um, New Mexico has as good a chance as anybody is, uh, of winning this thing. And I, I wouldn't have said that uh, a month and a half ago. I, I really thought this was San Diego State's conference to take, and I thought they may run away with this thing. And obviously we're just getting into conference play tonight. But, but you know, things have changed now. And I think this New Mexico team certainly has a shot of winning the conference. CSU Rams play-by-play voice Brian Roth joining us today from Albuquerque. Rams take on the Lobos tonight to open up Mountain West Conference play, and one of the things New Mexico's done well is rebound. Uh, they're 19th in the nation in uh, in rebounds per game. They're uh, seventh in fast break points, so they get on the glass and they get out and run, and they've been very successful doing that with this 12-0 start. Well, and you, and you look again, we talked about transfers, and, and they bring in a, a kid like Morris uh, Udeze, and he played at Wichita State the last three seasons and, and was a very good player. Uh, and he goes 6'8", 240 pounds, and he, and he comes to, here to, to, to Albuquerque and Jim, and he's just been an absolute beast. I think against Northern Colorado or this year, he had 33 points, 16 rebounds, and he has just really given them uh, you know, a lot of strength up on that front line. And, and when you looked at New Mexico last year, of course they had Jalen House, who's I think I could – with confidence, call him the fastest guard in the country. I mean, the, the dude's a lightning bolt. And then Jamal Mashburn Jr., of course, his dad, Jamal Mashburn, the former Kentucky star and, and, and NBA vet, um, you know, those two guys are, are good. And they're both guards. They're both under 6'2 six, six, and under. But what New Mexico lacked last year was, was some strength along that front line. And, man, does Udeze provide that. And then also transfer from uh, uh, UMKC, Kansas City, a kid named Josiah Alec, who goes 6'8", 235. So you bring in the two transfers that both go 6'8", 240, 6'8", 235, respectively, and you shored up what the problem was last season for New Mexico, which was nobody on the interior that, that can give you some strength, but they certainly have that now. Patrick Cartier had a breakout game against USC with 22 points. Isaiah Stevens, his normal steady self in that game, but the shooting was a real problem that loss to uh, to USC, Brian, and and that's something that's going to have to turn around for Nico Medved and the, and the Rams tonight. Got to shoot the ball better than they did against USC. I would think that they will, Jim, and I think sometimes that can be a little bit of an aberration and. And you know, look, they, they were playing, and, and it's different sometimes. And and I, I imagine that some of the high school coaches uh, uh, around your area will will talk about this as well. When all of a sudden you're playing in in smaller gyms, not that you know Moby's small or the pit that they're playing at's small tonight, but then you go to the Denver Coliseum, right? And then all of a sudden you have that huge background. And and w- when you look at where they played last Wednesday night at the Footprint Center in in Phoenix, the home of the Phoenix Suns, and of course the neutral court game and and the, the arena, for the most part, is, is empty, and you just have this vast background. And, and I think it affected CSU. And so now they're back into a more of a college-style arena. I mean, there'll still be 15,000 fans there tonight. So uh, it's not a barn by any, any stretch here at the pit, but it, it doesn't have that vastness to it, right? You don't have that just the depth of the background behind the, 
the um, the the baskets, and I think that that affected CSU a little bit. Uh, and then obviously sometimes that stuff can be contagious too. You know, uh, <laughs> you get you get a bunch of guys missing shots. It just it just catches on. And it was just a poor shooting night. You know, he only hit five threes and shot fifteen percent from deep against USC in a game that I, uh, you know, we talked last week. I, I, I thought they could have won. Um, certainly. Uh, they shoot the ball better. That's a that's a game that's going right down to the wire instead of losing by nine. So, I think I think they're going to be much better shooting the basketball here today uh, or tonight. And I, I'd be I'd be shocked if if they didn't come out. And you know, I'm not saying they're going to come out and, and hit 14, 15 threes, but I'd be shocked if they didn't come out and shoot 40 percent plus from from three point range tonight. Seven o'clock for that one tonight at the Pit in Albuquerque, and then uh, the Rams get San Jose State. Coming up on uh, New Year, two o'clock. Uh, actually, on New Year's Eve. Excuse me. Uh, when it's uh, San Jose State and Tim Miles, former Rams coach, uh, coming into to Fort Collins this weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, so this this is the second year now for Tim. They're they're in San Jose, and of course, Tim was at Nebraska for seven years. Ended up getting fired. Uh, was out of coaching for a year. Did some broadcasting uh, for uh, Fox Sports and FS1. Did some studio stuff. Did some games. And uh, wanted, you know, desperately wanted to get back into coaching. He took the San Jose State job, and you're thinking to yourself, "Wow, um, that could be the worst." <laughs> Certainly, of, of like the mid majors, that could be the worst job in in the country. I mean, San Jose State has the worst facilities in the Mountain West Conference, and and the worst basketball tradition in the Mountain West Conference. But you know, Tim Tim did a nice job last year with them, and 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 you know, they 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 still went one in seventeen. Uh, in conference, only won eight games, but but you can see a little bit of that improvement, right, Jim? Well, here this year, all of a sudden, they go nine and four in non-conference, and, and it's like, whoa! I mean, look now, now their their non-conference slate wasn't the strongest, nor, nor should it be. I mean, you know, Tim's trying to Tim's trying to schedule for wins in the non-conference, not schedule to to try to you know build up an NCAA resume, right? But they're nine and four now, and it'll be a lot of fun to see Tim coming back. And you know, last year. You know, and and Tim's a great guy. I had a chance to hang out with Tim last year when we went out to a San Jose, and he's fabulous. He hasn't changed a bit, and he's probably the perfect guy for that job, bringing energy back into that San Jose State program. But, but um, you know, each and every year you, you you miss one road trip, and then one team misses coming to your place in an unbalanced Mountain West Conference schedule. San Jose State didn't come to Colorado State last year, so this will be the first time that Tim Miles has coached back at Moby Arena on Saturday afternoon from an opposing bench. So it'll be a lot of fun to see Tim back in Moby Arena. He's going to get a very, very warm reception. Ram fans still love Tim Miles for how he was able to, to build that CSU program back up really from, from ground level and, and, and lead him back to an NCAA caliber program back you know, from 2007 up to 2012. So it'll be a lot of fun to get our old friend Tim Miles back at, at uh, Moby Arena on Saturday. Hey, Brian, have a great call tonight. Happy New Year, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Happy New Year to you guys, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Right, Brian Roth from Albuquerque this morning. And all the call tonight, Rams and New Mexico to open up Mountain West Conference play for CSU on the hardwood. We'll take a break, and we'll come back with My Life Sports Radio's Cody Rourke. That's next on The Jim Davis Show. Good morning, gentlemen. What are the haps? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Broncos with Mile High Sports, Cody Rourke on the Jim Davis Show. And with us right now, the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, Cody Rourke. Good morning, Cody. Hope you had a great Christmas. 
Thank you, Jim. I hope you and yours had a good one as well. It was a fun time. Spent a little bit of time there in Grand Junction and had to make the trek back. And uh, when I made the trek back, I got to rifle when the news hit that we're going to talk about. So I was like, oh, my gosh, what wild day we have. Yeah, exactly. That uh, Nathaniel Hackett uh, fired by the Broncos on Monday. And I think a lot of us thought that, that he would at least survive the season. But from what we saw on Sunday, you know, fifty-one to fourteen woodshedding on national TV with with you know Nance and Romo there calling it in their ugly Christmas sweaters, the ugly situation with uh, Brett Rippon and Dalton Reisner, Randy Gregory, and what happened in the handshake line with the the punches that were exchanged, and now Gregory will not be suspended, but he's going to have to pay a fifty thousand dollar fine. All those things. Just kind of put into motion what was probably what, what was already going to happen anyway in a couple of weeks, which is the firing of Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, I'd say everything that you just mentioned combined with the entire season, uh, you know, as uh, Greg Penner said, the full body of work led to this kind of moving forward. And because the NFL has changed some of their rules, you know, Denver, if they were to make a move this week, in which they did, they now have the opportunity to get a jump on their head coaching search. I mean, they can begin interviewing candidates. I don't think any interviews will happen this week, maybe at the end of next week, or maybe the the real process is going to kick off starting once the season officially concludes. But, yeah, it's just, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, Jim, you and I have talked so many times on the show. For Nathaniel Hackett, like I said, I really enjoyed him. I really enjoyed getting to talk to him, getting to know him. I think he had some good philosophies, but they just could not get those philosophies to transition onto the on-field product. And Denver is in a position where they simply just didn't have time to wait for that. And to the point where the offense was at a historic low, I think everything just kind of got summarized as, you know, well, Hackett was part of the problem. I still think people need to understand Russell Wilson is also a big part of the problem as well. My Life Sports Radio is Cody Rourke joining us today on the Team Sports Network. Right now, if if you were ranking candidates, who would be one, two, and three for you? Would would it be Sean Payton number one? Is Sean Payton realistic for this team, considering draft capital players are going to have to be traded to New Orleans to make that happen? What what what's your thoughts on that right now, Cody? Yeah, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I, I'm not entirely sure. How the order may go, I can just tell you from what I know, the team is interested in Dan Quinn. He'll be a candidate they want to interview. And I think the often leaked conversation there with Dan Quinn is that if he is the guy, more than likely the plan would be that Brian Schottenheimer, who's worked with Russell Wilson, would be the offensive coordinator. But, you know, just at the press conference yesterday, I got the vibe that the Broncos aren't really factoring in, like, okay, the next head coach we're going to hire is going to be to fix Russell Wilson. I don't think that was the case, the vibe at all. So for me, I mean, I think there's a real legitimate situation here, Jim, where the next Broncos head coach, you know, uh, Penner said he's going to have unlimited resources at his disposal, whoever it is. If that coach does not want to work with Russell Wilson, I think Denver will find a way to move on. Um, so I think that Dan Quinn's an option. i got to see who they look to interview. There's, you know, right now it's, they're going to cast a wide net. Sean Payton, though, I don't think is realistic, Jim, because of Vic Fangio. Vic is going to be his defensive coordinator yeah. if he gets a job, and he's more than likely not going to return to Denver. Miley Sports Radio's Cody Rourke with us. What Was it Gunther Cunningham 
did go back to Kansas City after he got fired as a head coach. He was a DC, so I mean it has happened. But yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think it's uh, it's unlikely that Vic Fangio, who has you know been talking with Sean Payton, looks like he will be part of Payton's staff wherever that might be. That understandably so, Vic's going to have some reluctance, you know, to, to come back to Denver, uh, where his only head coaching opportunity came to such a uh, dreadful end. And so, what about a guy like Jim Harbaugh, who the Vikings interviewed last year? And Harbaugh's stock has obviously gone back up with now back-to-back college football playoff appearances with Michigan. Would, it, would a Jim Harbaugh check the boxes of a coach that they talked about yesterday looking for a guy that's going to oversee the entire football team, not just one particular aspect of, of the Broncos? Would Harbaugh make some sense for this, for this team? I do think right now, I think that's the sleeper. I think that is a real legitimate option that Denver will probably express interest in. The bigger question is, will Harbaugh want to make the jump back into the NFL considering how things ended with him last time when he was in the NFL? I think another part of it for me is Harbaugh's the type of guy who really likes to have control. And as we found out, Penner said, the next head coach will report directly to him, which is kind of the standard in today's NFL. The reason that didn't happen this past year with Nathaniel Hackett and Greg Penner is because ownership wasn't firmly in place when he was hired. So that dynamic there, the familiarity between you know uh, Nathaniel Hackett and George Payton was there, they'll still collaborate, though. So for me, if Harbaugh is a serious option, I think that it kind of puts a little bit of writing on the wall. You know, does he take over kind of that Bill Belichick style of role? And you don't really need a GM in Denver. I think that is something to keep an eye on. Mile High Sports Radio's Cody Rourke with us. Make sure you check out his work in Mile High Sports website. Also, here in uh, weekday afternoons on Mile High Sports Radio. So, with Greg Penner being, you know, it's going to be different than the last search where George Payton it was really kind of George Payton's baby when, when he hired Nathaniel Hackett. He you know, there was ten candidates. He interviewed nine of them in person. That he was kind of the guy that, that drove the bus. Now it's going to be Greg Penner. It's going to be his wife, Carrie, that's going to be involved in that process. Rob Walton, the principal owner, and Condoleezza Rice, who has football experience, most notably college football playoff selection committee on her resume. And George Payton will be involved in that process. But, but, but Cody, it's going to look a whole lot different than last time out where Greg Pinner is definitely grabbing the bull by the horns here, and he's definitely the one driving the bus in this coaching search. Yeah, and I think this is what Broncos fans have wanted ever since, you know, Mr. B stepped away due to his health-related issues with Alzheimer's. The ownership presence and actually having someone who's firmly in control and is there. And I'll tell you this, you know, I have had conversations with people, and they say, you know, when, when Greg Penner is, you know, at practice or he's walking around, like people, they stand up a little straighter, they sit up and things like that. So that presence there is huge because – I think the biggest question for all of us, Jim, you know, we were like, okay, how, how is this ownership group going to do when it comes to some of these tough football-related decisions? So far, I will say, I think Greg Penner has really kind of firmly put his fingerprints all over the Denver Broncos, the way he's running it. He mentioned something yesterday that, you know, he, he wants to find solutions and that he's really impatient with that. Some people may misread that and say, okay, well, if he's impatient, it means he's just going to make impulsive decisions. It means that he wants to find solutions right away. That is how I took his comments yesterday. And I think that's a good thing for Broncos fans. And, look, I'd say the one thing that, you know, maybe Broncos fans are waking up this morning finding a little bit of solace is the fact that he has acknowledged how, how important the fan base is to him as the owner of the football team, as the guy who's going to be controlling the day-to-day. 
he said, I apologize to everybody in Broncos country. And I think that's a huge thing because, Jim, here's the reality of the situation. None of us, I don't think there's one person in the world that knew that this Broncos season would be as disastrous as it has been. This has been one of the worst seasons in franchise history, and it's crazy considering the, the talent, the expectations that they've had. This was truly a, I'd say, an anomaly of a year. Do you have the feeling Greg Pinner is going to be more Pat Bowlin-like, or could this turn into, oh, God forbid, I don't think he's that kind of guy, a, a Dan Snyder kind of situation where you have it, an owner that really has his you know claws into everything but doesn't really know what he's doing? I, I do get the sense from Greg Pinner, it's, he's, he's a guy that obviously has had tremendous success in business, a guy that's going to sit back, evaluate to a point, and I don't think make hasty, irrational decisions. I just, I, I'm, I'm maybe as, as a Broncos fan here, more than just as a, a broadcaster, I, I'm, I'm hoping that he is more Pat Bowen-like in terms of being more thoughtful, measured in how he approaches owning this football team. Uh, I, I think that's probably going to be the case, what you mentioned in terms of that measured approach, because here's what I can tell you. There's a uh... You know, there's been elements, right? You know, the Broncos have had a lot of injuries and things like that. Um, I, Penner has gone around. He's talked to players. He's talked to, you know, he went to the NFL offices. He disclosed. He and Kerry went to the NFL offices to meet with Dr. Sills. And he looks into things because he wants to find solutions to fix some of the big problem areas. So he does have a measured approach. I think Damani Leach is actually a very, very important um, voice as well for him. Now, when it comes to this head coaching search, there's one other thing I want to throw out there. You mentioned, obviously, the ownership group is going to be involved, Condoleezza Rice. Do not be surprised if Peyton Manning is somehow on the search committee, you know, in, in the hiring process. He's not going to make the decision, but they value his input. They value his perspective on the game of football, and, they, and he knows good coaching. And so I think that he may sit in on the interview process with certain things. I would not be shocked if that's the case. And that leads me to another question, because Buckeye and myself, we had a big debate about this last hour about Peyton Manning, because there are those in Broncos country that feel it's imperative that Peyton Manning be hired by the Broncos to do something and do it now. And my thought is, number one, it's got to be a a well-crafted role for him. What is responsibilities? Does Peyton, number one, does Peyton even want to be involved at this point in time with, with Omaha Productions, Manning cast? He's got so many things going on commercials that he does he seems like he's having a really good time and and that maybe being involved in running a football operation is not what he wants to do right now i i I just think yes whatever involvement that might be i think it's only a plus for this franchise but let's let's you know pump the brakes a little bit on peyton manning coming back and being the savior of this (laughs) of this organization from a front office standpoint Give, give me your thoughts on that yeah, no, I think you're spot on. I think Peyton really enjoys what he's doing with his production company right now. It's very fruitful for him and his family. He's having a lot of fun doing it. Um, I don't believe that he's going to ever step into a front office role. I think it could be like another 10 years before we ever see something like that for Peyton. Um, I think he just really wants to have everything figured out. He's enjoying this next chapter of his life at the media side, you know, obviously coaching his kids' football team and – He's going to be, I think, you know, more so, I think the appropriate term could be, uh, you know, um, someone who's a consultant from time to time. That's all I think that his role will be. He, he cares about the Broncos organization. Um, and, and for, you know, a guy like Greg Penner you know, and this ownership group who, you know, not all of them outside of Connolly's Rice, they don't know a lot about football in and of itself. 
they value Peyton Manning's opinion because Peyton Manning was around when Pat Bowen was around as well. And so they can re- they can lean on that perspective. But, yeah, I don't think that Peyton will really be involved in a key front office role where he's going to come back and change everything for the Broncos. I just think he's going to be a consultant at some, you know, some points in time, which I think is a great thing because you're not putting him in any role. You're getting his insight. You're getting his thoughts on certain things because if there's anyone who does research, it is Peyton Manning. One final thing, Cody. Firing Hackett, two games left to go in the season. I think number the, the plus is two things. It sends a message to Broncos country that the Penner Walton group's serious about getting this thing fixed and also gives them time in terms of the coaching search. Is it a negative thing, though, in terms of a one-and-done situation with a, with a head coach that you, you only gave him you know, a little bit less than a, than a full season to get things turned around, does it send a message to other coaches, or, or is that something that's so, that's overhyped that they they look at it? It's it's what the situation was. The circumstances could be different. They know that's the risk going in, and that doesn't bother most most coaching candidates that Hackett wasn't given a full season. Yeah, I think the, I think the major kind of talking point on that is is because the ownership group was not in place when Hackett was hired, so they didn't really have any allegiance to him and. Based on how things were going, they made the decision to move on. Now I think you have to you have to provide some you know affirmation to this next coach. I think whoever it is, you know, Jim, I think the Broncos have to fully commit to this next coach. If they struggle massively and win, let's say two games next season, you can't just fire him because if you're firing coaches every single year, the organization will never ever get back on track, which is something you don't want to have happen. Um, so I think that's going to have to be something that we monitor in this hiring process here is does Denver's destination look as appealing because of the fact that Hackett was hired after one year. And I'm also sure there's going to be some, probably some coaching candidates that do reach out to Hackett to kind of ask what, you know, what's the landscape in Denver? What the heck is going on there? I guarantee you that'll be an element that'll be up for discussion. Well, if you're at Dove Valley, see Ben Steele. Tell him we said hi. I will. I know he just take he's taking over as the offensive line coach for Butch Berry, and uh, you know hopefully he can do a better job than Butch did. Uh, I hope so too. Hey, Cody, always appreciate it. Have a very happy New Year. Always appreciate you, man. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, my friend. I appreciate you. Go Tigers! All right, there's Cody Rourke, Mile High Sports Radio. And read his work at the Mile High Sports website. Very, very locked in, dialed in to covering the Broncos and catch him uh, weekday afternoons on Mile High Sports Radio. All right, 837, Avs Radio Voice, Connor McGahee coming up. Don't forget, we're wrapping things up at 9 o'clock this morning. It's our holiday week, and so uh, we're we're doing just two hours of the Jim Davis Show this week. So, uh, But we'll have Connor McGahee coming up in just a moment. Let's quickly jump into... We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, first down. Deion Sanders coach was was coaching at a historically black college and university, Jackson State. Mm-hmm. He's moved on to Colorado. But another Hall of Famer is going to be coaching in HBCU, and that is Ed Reed. Yeah, saw that. Who is taking over as the coach of Bethune-Cookman, uh, reached an agreement to uh, be their next head coach. Of course, Reed, Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer. He's 44 years old now. Uh, made nine Pro Bowls, eight All-Pro nods, Defensive Player of the Year in 2004. And so uh, he takes over Bethune-Cookman, which had a 2-9 and nine season last year. All right, second down, and what's a, an awful story involving the adopted daughter of Hall of Fame pitcher Dennis Eckersley. She was arrested after she abandoned her new, allegedly abandoned her newborn baby in the woods. 
that Alexandra Eckersley, who's 26, was arrested Monday on charges that include endangering the welfare of a child, falsifying physical evidence, second-degree assault, and reckless conduct. According to a Boston radio station, police in Manchester, New Hampshire, responded to report that a woman had given birth to a child in the woods early Sunday morning. Authorities say Eckersley intentionally, she did, not him, intentionally misled them about the whereabouts of the baby before revealing the actual location an hour later. And so, baby's doing okay. Thank goodness. Uh, they fe- they did find the baby struggling to breathe on the floor of a tent. Temperature is about 18 degrees at that time. And the detective asked Eckersley why she left the baby. She allegedly responded, What do they tell you when a plane goes down? Save yourself first. That's sad. It's awful. But anyway, the baby is in Child Protective Services and doing okay. Uh, third down. You have the Sun Bowl coming up this weekend on the team uh, sports network. Brian Ross going to be doing the radio call of that one as well. We just talked to him a little bit ago. Uh, the Little Plains Trains and Automobiles action on Christmas Day for three Pitt Panthers. Sam, Samuel Okunlala, Jake Frantel, and Hudson Primus. Their coach, Pat Narduzzi, told reporters Monday that they were stranded at an airport in Dallas, most likely DFW. And Joe Golding, head basketball coach at UTEP, where the Sun Bowl is, El Paso. That's where the players needed to go. Him and his wife and his kid were stranded there as well. So they picked up the three football players, got themselves a big SUV, and hit the road, Jack. And he got them there in time for meetings and practice on Monday morning. So there you go. That's so cool. Yeah. Joe Golding, the head basketball coach at UTEP, saw pit bags. Pit jackets and whatnot, and was like, "Helping them out." You guys are stranded. You need to go. And the guy, the players are like, "Uh, dude, we don't know, no." And finally, they made communications with coaches and parents and the whole thing. And they uh, they hit the road. They stopped for some Red Bull and coffee at like three in the morning, and made it to El Paso in time for the players to get to their meetings. That's pretty cool. Uh, fourth down, the rankings, the power rankings for Major League Baseball free agency are out. One through 30. Where are the Rockies? <laughs> Where do you think? 30? No. <laughs> no. They're not. 29th. Okay. <laughs> they, they're they're right ahead of the Reds. They're projected to go under 62 wins. Their playoff odds are at 0%. So you're saying there's no chance. Yeah, their aggression rank is 29th. Their improvement rank is 25th. Oh. It's going to be a long summer. going to be a long summer. 841. We'll take a break. We'll come back. And uh, Connor McGahey, the radio voice of the Avalanche, will join us next on the Jim Davis Show. First of all, it's hilarious. Warp twisted individuals. Yes. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Avalanche hockey with the voice of the Avs, Connor McGahee, on the team. And with us on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, radio voice of the Avalanche, Connor McGahee. Connor, hope you had a wonderful Christmas. How are you? I did. How, did, how was your Christmas, Jimmy? Uh, Con, it was uh, very low-key, which is just the way I like it. Steak uh, with a loaded baked potato, a little salad. You know, it just uh, it's a very, very chill Christmas uh, weekend. And... Um, just the way I like it. Just nice, nice and slow. What about you? Yeah, same, exact same. And that was uh, just what the doctor ordered. 
just perfect. Yeah, a little little break for for the NHL teams and 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 those like yourself that follow them. But uh, you were back at work last night. Avalanche taking on the Arizona Coyotes, uh, Mullet Arena uh, last night uh, on the ASU campus. A very unique venue, uh, at least for the short term, for uh, for the Arizona Coyotes. But uh, for Colorado last night, uh, Miko Rantanen, you know, picked up goal number twenty four, but. Uh, Avalanche can't get it done last night. They lose six to three. Yeah, I mean, and all the we were saying all the variables were not exactly in the Avalanche's favor. Um, supposed to leave earlier in the day, then they had to to change plans and uh, skate here, and then leave later in the day. Uh, they have traveled because of the the CBA, where you, you can't have any team activities the twenty fourth, twenty fifth, or twenty sixth. So it's always tough on the road team on the 27th. And, it, 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 again, you no know Val. I, I, I hate to keep going back to the, the excuse as well, but there are a lot of factors that uh, that went against the Avalanche last night. But like Jared Bettenberg said, they uh, they just weren't good defensively. And there was a, a ton of breakdowns, which was against the grain of where they had been lately. I mean, they had won their four previous games, allowing a total of four goals in those games. And um, I just think that uh, a lot of factors contributed to the uh, the season high goals against last night um, versus Arizona, and even some of the Coyotes people said, "Well, we uh, we, we got you at, at at the good at the best time for us possible," and that's true. I think that uh, if you have Landis Gog, McKinnon, and Chushkin, Byron Manson in the lineup, and uh, it's it's a regular travel day, and that's a horse of a different color. And certainly the Kale McCarr, you know, uh, offside penalty when it looked like Miko had, yeah. had another goal, and that would have, you know, w- would have certainly, you know, at that point in time, uh, would have still been a, a three-two deficit. But boy, that's a that's a different hill to to, to overcome than than what when that goal got disallowed because of Kale being offside. That was that was a big turning point in a game last night where, you know, like Jared Benner said, it was just they they were sloppy and they were sluggish to start things out last night. Yeah, but if that goal counts, then the momentum is going the other way. Mm-hmm. You score two goals in sequence, and um, I know it's uh, it's a moot point, but I, I go back forever and say, well, I don't uh, the offside review for goals. I I find to be strange because if uh, a slashing penalty, for example, is is missed, you don't go back to review that, and so it, it, it was basically set up after that bad goal versus Nashville all those years ago when he was still playing for the Avalanche where he reached way behind him and was deemed to be onside. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a shame. And, and, again, some of the people we were talking to said, hey, if that goal goes in, then you guys probably win. But uh, just uh, add that to the list, and they move on to tomorrow versus the L.A. Kings. And Kale McCarr, continuing on with Kale, he, he did get a goal last night, and it, it kind of ends what's been a – a little bit of a, a, a slump, a lull for Kale McCarr from a goal-scoring standpoint. Yeah, a little bit. Goal and assist for him, but again, his duties have uh, sort of shown up elsewhere. I mean, he's got five games over 30 minutes this year, and he's just logged a ton of ice time in a ton of different situations. And if he's not doing that, if Josh Manson is back in helping with that load, if Bo Byram is back in, Helping with that load, then he's he's able to get the matchups that he wants, and probably is going to be better offensively. Um, so you have to keep that in mind when you're thinking of 
the offensive side of, of Kale McCarr this season. Um, he, he's had to be on the ice for a ton of different things and and not exactly accumulating a ton of power play points without uh, most of the top unit available out there as well. So um, Kale McCarr's responsibilities in this stretch where the Avalanche have been injured especially have, have been a little bit different and uh, and he's still as reliable as it gets back there and and it's, uh, I think, part of the reason that he, he won the Norris last year it wasn't just the offensive output. I mean, Roman Yossi, that's, that was all the flash for him. I think it was the, the time on ice and the, the steady hand at the till when he has the puck on his stick. And, and that's really been why um, I think that his offensive numbers have been down is because he's had to be out there just defensively and, and in different situations that we haven't necessarily seen him in before. Radio voice of the Avalanche, Connor McGahee with us today on the Team Sports Network. The Avalanche lose at Arizona last night, 6-3 to that snaps Colorado's four-game winning streak, and a guy that's played really well since coming off uh, his injury has been Evan Rodriguez. Uh, you know, Definitely was probably the Avalanche's best player in the first period last night. Got a goal last night. He's had four points in six games. Of course, had the, the shootout winning goal as well recently, and assisted on a couple of a uh, you know, pair of uh, uh, game two game winners during that stretch of time, Connor. That uh, Evan Rodriguez has certainly been a big lift for this team uh, since coming off the the injured report. Jimmy, he's been so much better than advertised. I've just loved how he has played. We always talk about the production, but even. Um, uh, Probably no better forechecking forward last night in Arizona than Evan Rodriguez, and that generates chances for other players. And and that uh, yeah, he's just as again talk about reliable. I mean, he's been been a go-to for for Jared Bednar, and didn't really skip a beat when he came back from injury, feeling pretty good and and playing great. Uh, ties the game up ten seconds into that power play last night um, with the one timer from the near circle and. He's just been he's just been spectacular. I think it it's one of the underrated free agent signings by any club really in the off season, and I'm glad that it was with us. <laughs> no doubt about that. Pick the right place to be the defending cup champions uh, for Evan Rodriguez, Avalanche uh, radio voice Connor McGahey with us today on the Team Sports Network. L.A. Kings coming up uh, tomorrow night over at uh, Ball Arena. Kings off to a really good start this season. They're currently second in the Pacific Division behind uh, Vegas right now. And w- when you look at this uh, the, the start to the season for the LA Kings, what have been some of the the positives for them, Connor? Because like I said, it's uh, they're they're one of the better teams right now in the Pacific. One of the better teams in the Western Conference. Yeah, I think they've outkicked their coverage a little bit, to be honest. And I think that they would probably tell you that as well when you're talking about young stars. I mean, uh, Rob Blake has uh, a acquired and accrued a ton of them and this is even without number two overall pick Quentin Byfield in the lineup he finally got called up for that win over the Vegas Golden Knights last night Um, but you're talking about some of the usual suspects but not in goal I mean it was Phoenix Copley for them and not Jonathan Quick Um, Drew Doughty is always going to be back there he's second in the league I believe in time on ice behind Kale McCarr but you're talking about the the Velardis and the Alex Iafalos and, and all of them, these players who have just been um, sort of growing over the past couple seasons. And, every, and Arthur Kaliev is uh, just, well, the World Juniors are on right now. That's where he gained some, 
some notoriety years ago. He was called up from Ontario. See, these young names um, that were supposed to be good in the future, well, that future is starting to be now for the L.A. Kings. But uh, I think that they will tell you that there have been some games that, that they won that, that they maybe shouldn't have. So, But it's going to be tough for the Avs tomorrow, first time that they've faced L.A. this season. And then on Saturday, uh, on New Year's Eve, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs over at Ball Arena for that one. And, of course, you always uh, face off against one of the best players in the league in Austin Matthews. Yeah, and Mitch Marner set a new uh, Toronto Maple Leafs record with uh, points in consecutive games this season. And uh, there is a possibility, Jared Bednar saying at our flagship station yesterday, that Nathan McKinnon possibly could return for that game. Um, so to have McKinnon versus Matthews on the uh, New Year's Eve certainly would be quite a treat, but uh, Toronto will play in Arizona tomorrow. May the home state of Austin Matthews, Arizona, and then they'll pop over to close out uh, the 2022 calendar uh, on Saturday. And it, it's nice that it's a five o'clock puck drop too. So if everybody wants to enjoy New Year's Eve later, they can. I'll be in bed by nine thirty. <laughs> Wake me up when it's 2023, right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm yeah, good. I'm, I'm fine. Thanks. Yeah, so there, so for you, there are there are no big New Year's Eve traditions. I mean, the only the only big thing on New Year's Eve is the, my pillow, my big pillow that I sleep on. Yes, pillow for your big fat head, as Peter Gabriel once said. <laughs> At least that's speaking for myself, anyway, Connor. Not so much for you. Oh goodness! It, so I married an axe murderer. Comes to mind. <laughs> Move that giant melon. It's like an orange on a toothpick. Like Sputnik around the quite pointy at parts. Oh, oh. God. Oh, oh you, you bring back some great memories with that one, It's Connor. a good one. It's yeah. a good one. It is a good one. The Scottish Hall of Fame with Jackie Stewart. It was <laughs> fantastic. Hey, Connor, we appreciate it. Uh, before we let you go, of course, you also do the, the PA for the Broncos. Whose name do you think you'll be announcing next year as the Broncos head coach in 2023? <laughs> I I have no idea. I have the, the, the blessed... Uh, job of just reading what's ever in front of me. I don't have to worry about anything else. I just have to be a voice robot, and that is a nice change. <laughs> I, have no, I have no idea, but uh, but uh, I, I just I know that the ownership group wants to do it right and uh, get it back on track. So I I uh, I, I have a feeling they're they're going to go through all the steps and and uh, and and hit a home run with this one. All right, Connor. Appreciate it. Have a happy New Year, and uh, best of luck on the call the next uh, couple of nights. We always appreciate it. Thanks, Jimmy. Happy New Year to you, too. Take care. Connor McGahee, voice of the Avalanche, with no prediction on who the Broncos' next head coach will be, of whose name he'll be saying in 2023. Maybe somebody will be saying his name. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. It no. could be. Con- mean, Connor's too smart of a guy. Throw no, your Connor's, name in there. Why Connor's not? like, no, nah, I don't think so. No, nah, I, I think I'll pass on that. I think I'll pass on that gig. All right, 8.56. Uh, do we want to wrap it up here some garbage time? You got something you want to... I don't have anything. You have I'm nothing? Sure okay. Something, yeah. All right, well, we'll just we'll skip garbage time today then. Yeah, I don't really... I don't have much of uh, too much of anything. The show is over. That's it. Yay. There's no more. We'll have, uh, of course, tomorrow's show, 7 to 9, our holiday edition with Mark Johnson, voice of the Buffaloes, and uh, 850KOA's Mike Rice, our Broncos report tomorrow. For the Buckeye Boy, I'm Jim. See you back here tomorrow morning at 7.